church. And uh, John chapter 8, one verses 1 to 11. Um, this is a, uh, there's a couple, uh, several characters in this story. Uh, this is a story that unfolded one day with Jesus. So it says, uh, uh, John chapter 8, verse 1, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early, so he went to the Mount of Olives the evening before. So between verse 1 and 2 is a whole night. So just so you, you got it in perspective. So he went to the Mount of Olives that the evening before. Now, but now early in the morning, he came again into the temple. And all the people came to him and sat down and taught them. And then, um, then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they'd set her in the midst, they said to him, that is Jesus, uh, Teacher, this woman has, was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commands us that we sh- she should be stoned, but what do you say? That, uh, this they said, testing Jesus, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they had continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw what? A stone. The first stone or a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground, and then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last, And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. Um, And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. A passage that you have possibly read many times or heard a passage that I have probably, and many people have preached many stories or many messages from. But today, uh, let's do it again. Is that cool? Uh, you know, when you read a, a passage of Scripture or a story from the Bible in relation to in, in Jesus is involved, there's often several characters. And you know, when we look at the passage, we can identify with the characters in that story. And if we were to look at the characters of this story, we've got the woman herself, who was caught in adultery. But clearly forgiven by Jesus, clearly forgiven. Hopefully, she went on to live a better life for herself. Uh, It encourages me when I identify with the woman because it says to me that none of us are too far away from God. That God would continually reach out, that, that none of us have gone too far, done too much bad, that He could not have mercy and grace and acceptance and receive us again. I think that's a good uh, thing to identify with this woman, because that's what obviously Jesus did. He forgave her and embraced her, uh, not literally, but just embraced her, and uh, He challenged her, uh, but I think that's a good thing to identify. The other characters in this story are the Pharisees. Uh, can I just say it would be a good idea not to become like them? Uh, they're the, you identify with them to actually do what they don't do, not what they do. Uh, the Pharisees were fault-finding. They were looking for an opportunity to discredit other people. And in this case, it was Jesus who they wanted to discredit. So we don't want to become legalistic and fault-finding or, or become seeking to find you know, problems with every person. We don't need to become like that. We've got to be careful we don't become like that. <clears throat> Uh, The third person in this story is Jesus himself. Uh, Jesus clearly uh, is involved in in this story. And it was not only his words that he shares, but it's also his actions. It's the things that he did that we can learn so much from. I love what this is saying because um, 
the story was Jesus is teaching in the temple uh, that morning. He'd come from the Mount of Olives. He'd been teaching the day before in the temple. He'd gone to the Mount of Olives for the night. Then he'd come back into the temple early in the morning. People are all gathered around him. He's teaching them. He's talking to them. And then he's rudely interrupted by a group of men called the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. Uh, They were supposed to be the protectors of the Word of God, and yet they were so legalistic and unfortunately so condemnationary in their nature. Uh, They came and they brought this woman and they challenged Jesus and said, come on, uh, she's committed adultery. Uh, Moses said she should be stoned. What do you say, Jesus? What do you say? And so they pressured uh, Jesus. And the truth is they weren't seeking his advice, folks. They were seeking to entrap him. Uh, They were using the lady as a pawn in their hands uh, just to simply uh, to bring about their, uh, what they wanted to do to Jesus. And so Jesus is in this situation and uh, he's confronted with a fairly complex and difficult situation. He's confronted with something that you know, he knows he needs to give a wise answer to. He needs to share, he needs to be uh, careful what he says right now because uh, the lady's life is at stake here as well. So it's interesting um, he was aware of that. And, you know, I'm aware that there's times when I've faced situations, I'm really quite complex and I'm not quite sure what the answer is. And maybe today, the truth is you're here and you've got a situation and you're not sure what needs to happen. Uh, you're not quite sure how to go about it, how to process this thing. Maybe there's something today that's creating an element of anxiety in your heart and it's a difficult situation. And, you, and, and, you, and you're not quite sure of the answer because you're not, you're just, um, you know you want to be careful in what you say in response to it. Maybe you feel pressured uh, from external forces that are saying, you've got to sort this out. You've got to uh, let me talk about that today because Jesus shows us in the midst of what he faced, how to, fa- how to, how to face difficult situations. And I, I want to talk to you today about that very uh, issue, how to solve different difficult situations. And we see it. Uh, through Jesus and how he confronted and how he dealt with this circumstance. So let's go there this morning. Let's tackle it right now. Um, how do we face difficult situations today? I've got three, th- three thoughts. Uh, th- all start with the letter P. So let's go there. John chapter 8, verse 1. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives the night before. You might say, What's that? why is it significant that he went to that? Why would John put that bit of information that he went to the Mount of Olives? Well, it's significant because there was, if you look at other times, Jesus, in the New Testament, when they described Jesus in the Mount of Olives, it was always to do one thing. It was always to do one thing, and that was to pray. That was to spend the time with His Heavenly Father, talking and praying. And and I would like to say that Jesus spent time with God in prayer. It positioned Him to help Him handle the complexity and the difficulties of the problems that He faced on a daily basis. When he prayed, he was able to establish his heart, his mind, and his thoughts to then face the day that he was about to face. I love this about Jesus. Prayer for Jesus put him ahead of the game. So, you know, it helped him face whatever he was going to face. And so the first point to handling difficult situations is really simply this, prayer. Prayer. You might say, oh, well, I know that. Yeah, 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 I know it too, but it, it doesn't necessarily make me do it sometimes. Uh, prayer. Prayer. See, see, 
Jesus is interrupted as he's, as he's teaching the people around him. He wasn't expecting what was about to happen to happen. But he was already positioned because it had been in the place of just talking to his heavenly father. He was already positioned in his heart to handle that. I love the reality. The reason why, because some of the time, it was because he knew uh, the time he spent with God was never wasted. Never, the time he spent in prayer was never, uh, never just something that, was, uh, that would not be useful. And I could easily think that the one person in the world that didn't need to pray would be Jesus. I could easily think, you know, he, he's, he's not a, he is God uh, as well as man. And why would Jesus need to pray? But the truth is, Jesus prayed more than any of his uh, disciples. He prayed more than any of them. Th- there was a moment in this, uh, in when Jesus was going to be knowing he was going to go to the cross and be um, uh, nailed to a cross. And he went to a garden called the Garden of Gethsemane, which is actually on the Mount of Olives. And he went with three of his disciples, James and John and Peter. And he said, uh, you just stay here and pray. I'll go over here and pray. And uh, he came back a little while later and they're asleep. And it wasn't like Jesus said to them, oh, guys, oh, okay, I understand. You're tired. Yeah, 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 it's fine. No, no, no. He actually rebuked them because they were not doing what he'd asked him to do. It's not like Jesus was a hard taskmaster. He was just simply saying, you know, disciples, I'm facing a fairly uh, unknown future here, even though he knew exactly where he was going. He, He wanted someone to stand with him in prayer. Do you know who are the people you need to pray for that would appreciate your prayers or the people... Even for yourself. And so Jesus prayed more than anyone, I think. And yet he was God. He was the Son of God. Um, you know, I think that the, the incredible thing about prayer is it helps us to live incredibly victorious. It doesn't mean that we, that we get it all right or, or that we never have a problem, but it helps us to face them. I, I think prayer is powerful. It's a, and you know what? It's a lifestyle. It's not just a one-off thing. It's a lifestyle of continually having a relationship with with Lord and praying. We seem to be able to communicate usually with other people quite well, but you know we've got to make the moments where we communicate with our Heavenly Father. Him above all people know our life, and He can help us. Um, you know, I think over the course of my life, uh, there's times when I've just been so acutely aware, and in actual fact, all of my life I've been acutely aware how powerful prayer can be. Um, you know, you know um, some people come up to me, uh, and someone said, uh, not so long ago, they said, oh, you've just got three beautiful daughters. I said, thank you. I think they're, they're beautiful and great as well. I said, they're so good. I said, yeah, I think they are too. And, and I agreed with them. And, but then in my heart, I said, you know, the reality is that those people who are giving me the praise about my, my children don't know how much... Um, I've uh, blown it as a dad. Uh, they don't know how much my daughters aren't not perfect, and they would never never say they are. Uh, the reality is is that I was acutely aware of my imperfections in my fathering ability. But you know, folks, there wasn't a day gone past, it was probably 25 years, and now there's not a week that go past that I still don't pray, and I continue to pray for my children. In actual fact, I I, I bought this book. Um, and it says, uh, I bought this book about 35 years ago, 
And uh, it's called The Power of Praying Parents. And, you know, I don't legalistically try to, it's got prayers in it. And, and I pray them, but I make them, I just make them personal and I pray. And I cry out to God. I just want to say, it's wonderful. You know, you know I've, I've even bought a book about my marriage. And I bought this 35 years ago. And, 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 and in actual fact, it's falling apart. But you know what? I've discovered it's falling apart, but my marriage and my children aren't. And the only thing it really has to do with me is that I'm just willing to just cry out to God about that because I really think that's a priority for me. And you know, so that's the power of prayer, isn't it? And consistently, constantly, constantly, constantly. And you might say, oh, I did it yesterday. I'll do it again. You say, oh, I just need to see a breakthrough. Well, just pray again. Jesus constantly went to the Mount of Olives, and it set him up so that he, so that he could, he knew that he, he might, he knew there was going to be some interruptions in that day, and, and he needed some wisdom about it. He needed some guidance, and I want to encourage this: the amount of time that we spend in prayer can be directly, um, can directly proportional to the the amount of um, peace and joy we find in life. Sometimes. <laughs> so my first thought this morning is simply this: is that. If we're going to move on through the difficult situations, we've got to pray. The second thing that I want to encourage us with this morning is, is this. Um, it says in verse 6 and 7, they said, they said testing him in verse uh, 6. This is the Pharisee. They said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up. So here we go. The Pharisees um, are saying and pressuring Jesus, what do you say we should do with this woman? Come on, Jesus, tell us. What do you, they, they just kept it up. What do you think we should do? And then Jesus' response to that, do you know what Jesus' response to them? It says in the Bible, it was like he, he didn't hear them, but he got down on one, I don't know, one knee, two knee. And he, started, he took his finger and he started to write something or doodle in the, in the dirt. Um, interesting, isn't it? Uh, and there's been a lot of uh, conjecture about what Jesus wrote. Uh, someone, uh, once heard someone said he wrote the Ten Commandments. I thought, well, okay, possible. Uh, someone said he started to write all the sins of the Pharisees that were watching down. Uh, look, uh, I don't know. I'm not, to be honest, John doesn't tell us what he wrote, does he? John doesn't tell us. You know why? Uh, because John, if, if it was important for John who wrote this to tell us what Jesus wrote, he would have told us, wouldn't he? And so you might be asking, well, what's the significance of John even putting that little bit of information in there that Jesus got down and wrote in the dirt? Why is that? Because the truth is, um, he didn't tell us what Jesus wrote, but he did tell us that Jesus wrote, or Jesus done something with his finger in the dirt. And the reason is because I think Jesus was buying some time. And so if the first point was prayer, the first step is prayer about what we face. The second step, second step, if you want to solve a difficult situation, is just pause. Because who knows, we don't need to react when the pressure's on. We need to just breathe for a moment and sometimes pause and just start to think about uh, what's the best answer here. I need some wisdom, God. He's even returned back to that moment of just saying, Father, what's the best moment? Because, who, you know, when the pressure's on, sometimes the reaction can flow and the emotions can flow and we burst out and say something we wish we didn't say. 
I think Jesus, see, I think we can be too hasty in the midst of difficult situations. And I think Jesus didn't want to be too hasty. He wanted to just give himself a bit of time to think about and pause for a moment. I think it was a good, uh, a good strategy. And there's a number of ways, ways that Jesus could have reacted. He could have reacted with uh, a doctrinal debate and said, you know, what did God really mean when he said that, you know, stone the adulterous woman? But he didn't do that. And uh, he could have reacted as an authoritarian and said, yeah, this is my Bible class I'm having here. Get out of it. Move on. I'll talk to you later. He didn't do that. He could have got a little bit violent. You know, he, he, it wasn't like Jesus couldn't take a whip and whip some people around the temple. He did in the past. But no, he didn't do that. Um, and when he did do that, it was a righteous anger. Um, but so he didn't get violent. Uh, he didn't do any of that. Uh, he, he knew probably that if he did, it would open up a different can of worms. So Jesus doesn't react, but he took the time till he knew what the right answer was. I, I think there was, this was a complex and difficult situation. And, uh, you know, the Bible says that we can ask God for wisdom and he'll give us wisdom, hey, freely. And sometimes in the midst of what we face, difficult situations, it's not time to react because there's always a moment where you can just pause um, and think about what you need to say or the next m m move needs to be. And it's time to pray in those moments too, isn't it? Say, God, what's the wisdom here? Because I know what my emotions want to say and my emotions want to do, but let me just pause. See, Jesus... Uh, interesting enough, didn't choose to listen to the external voices that take um, that were around him, but he just took a little bit of time and kneeling down and not eyeballing the Pharisees, but turning his eyes away for a moment just to think. I think he had a um, Mount of Olives experience right there in the dirt. He'd already had one up on the hill on the Mount of Olives. Now at the temple, he has another one where he just says, God, what's the wise answer here? Just to pause. Because, you know, the Pharisees were pretty, the emotions are high. They're, they're already, they're, you know, they're going to nail Jesus this time. Because if Jesus says, stone her, he would, they, Jesus would be going against the very mandate of his own mercy and grace and forgiveness. But if he said, oh, don't stone her, he would be going against the century-old law that God established through Moses, that adulterous women should be stoned. So, you know, the Pharisees thought, we've got him, we've cornered him. So he paused. Sometimes you feel cornered by your difficult situations. You don't know the answer. You know what, don't, don't know what you need to do. You need to, don't, re, don't react, pause and respond. It's different. Isn't reacting and responding different? Reaction can be when you just, Ugh! don't know, what, you just blur something out. But response is a measured thought process or maybe, you know, uh, the time you've spent and, and, and just thinking and asking and seeking some wisdom and uh, that's the better way. Jesus wanted to speak, interestingly enough, directly uh, to your heart. I often find that the wonderful thing about our God is when we just pause, He can speak to our heart. Sometimes we have to be careful that we're not insecure in our relationship with God and always looking for external confirmations or maybe external signs. Jesus didn't listen to the people around him. He knelt down and he listened to the Heavenly Father or the Holy Spirit within him. And sometimes we can bow to the external voices that are speaking to us, yelling at us. This is what you should do. And we've got to just stop, pause for a moment. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your what? 
heart. See, God wants to speak to your heart. Sometimes we know in our mind what to do, but we need to let him speak to our heart because it says, lean not on to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. What an incredible God. See, God wants to speak to your heart. In Psalms uh, sorry, Psalm 37, 4, it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Some people look at that verse actually and say, oh, um, does that mean God's going to give me everything I desire? No. That verse, if you just break it down a little bit, actually means if you delight yourself in God, He will give you His desires and He'll put His desires in your heart so that you can fulfill them. Because He's not going to give you every crazy desire you want because He knows that sometimes those things you want are going to be harmful to your life. Sometimes we can say about that verse, you know, God, you give me what I want and I'll be delighted. No, 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 God says, you delight in me and I'll give you my desires. And he'll speak to you in his heart, in your heart, I should say. Sometimes we have to be careful. We don't think God will give me what I want and then, you know, I'll be happy. But no, he wants to give you his desires. So it's in our heart that we hear. So please um, pause and give him time. Jesus did that. Give him time to speak to your heart. Jesus did. He paused. Here's the third thing I love about this. It says in verse um, verse 7 and 8. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. So here we go. He's waiting for an answer. He's down on the ground. He's, he's, he's writing something and uh, he's thinking about it. And then all of a sudden an answer comes and, 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 it, um, and it says, He who is without sin, throw the, throw the first stone. And he's thinking about that. And I'm just surmising now. I'm just kind of putting it out there. And Jesus could have thought, actually, Lord, instead of me saying that, because some people may think that I'm actually wanting them to stone her, and I don't want that to happen. I don't want that to happen at all. So could you just, you know, I know you've just told me, you know, to say this, that um, he was without sin, throw the first stone. But could you just get rid of them? Because for me to say that could create a, another problem. They could start to stone her. Could you just get them off my back? Could you solve my problem? Could you bring, give me a breakthrough? Could you give me deliverance, God? Can you just push, help me through this situation? Can, God, can, just send them away. And yet the voice still came. The Pharisees are still there. Come on, Jesus, what are you going to do about this woman? What do you say, Jesus? So we, so we see that, um, we see for God, for Jesus to get his, um, the answer and the deliverance, this is what I say. You know, if the first thing is prayer and the second is pause, the third is proceed. Jesus actually had to do what he knew that he had to, he had to say what he had to say. He had to push through. He, he, he needed to declare it because, you know, those Pharisees weren't going to go away. They just weren't going get, to get off his back until he'd said something. And when he came up and said, you know, he was without sin, throw the first stone. Man, that was a powerful statement. That just didn't come from some good little idea. That came from, the, I tell you what, the corridors of heaven itself. Because every one of the Pharisees walked away convicted. Sometimes we... Uh, we can, after we've prayed, and we've prayed, and we've prayed, and then the answer comes, but we're unwilling to proceed because to carry out the answer sometimes is uncomfortable for us. It's not easy to do. It's the answer, but, you know, sometimes we wait on God, but God's waiting on us to proceed, 
to be obedient to what he's told us to do. I don't know what it could be. It could be a numerous number of things. It might be write a letter to someone. It could be to say sorry to someone. It might be, I don't know what it could be, but it's, it, it'll, bring, it'll only come, the breakthrough only comes sometimes when you're willing to proceed. I mean, you've prayed and you've paused for a moment. You thought, you've got an answer. Now it's the time to move on through. Because, you know, God wants us to walk by faith and sometimes faith is risky, isn't it? And we shouldn't be at risk adverse. We sometimes realize that we've got to, you know, sometimes stepping out in something and proceed and something is going to take it there might be risk but you know when you're walking in Jesus he's gonna he's gonna sort it if we're doing what he wants us to do Jesus stepped out and he said come on here with that sin um of course Jesus went back down on the ground didn't he after he'd said that and you know can you just imagine him on the ground and he might have been thinking you know actually someone might actually these, these Pharisees are pretty self-righteous. One of them might think that they're without sin and they might throw a stone. What am I going to do, God? So there's, there's, there's this faith level. There's this risk involved in what he's, he said. And he's not quite sure. But thankfully, they all were convicted and they all walked away. That was a good day, wasn't it? Sometimes, you know, we've got to be a care, care aware of that. That, you know, we're spending all that time. God, just give me an answer. Give me an answer. He gives you the answer and then we're unwilling to follow through and proceed with it. I was, uh, I, I, I was uh, uh, at 25, I became very aware that, uh, that uh, I heard some great preaching, I read some great books on parenting, and, and it was emphasizing, this was emphasized to me a number of times that, you know, we should tell our children that we love them, that we need to verbalize it. It's no good just doing things for them, we need to verbalize it. And, and, and uh, I, I did that <coughs> with my three daughters all the time. I used, to, I used to do a couple of things, tell them I love them and they're, they're champions. If you ask my daughters, if you just say this statement to my daughters, what are you? They'll tell you, I'm a champion. Some of you fathers need to do that. Because sometimes all we see is the negative things about our kids. But you'll, they'll never become unless you tell them what they should become. Anyway, that's a side point. That was for free. But the truth is, I used to just love my girls. I used to tell them I love them all the time. But there was one problem with that. I had a dad who was a great dad, a good dad, and for all purposes showed me that he loved me, but he could never say it. He never told me he loved me. And all the way through my 20s, I started this prayer, God, would you so touch my dad? And, and just what, I want to hear those words from him, that he actually loves me. Now, uh, in, hind, in, in understanding my dad, he had a dad. He had a dad, my grandfather, who actually died when I was two, so I didn't really know him. But dad told me the story that he, his, his dad, uh, while he never physically abused him, he did verbally. He never affirmed my dad. And so my dad now is stuck in this inability to actually say, I love you, James. Because uh, he's never had his dad say that to him. He was stuck. And so through my 20s and 30s, I was praying this prayer. And, 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 and God, it was like a decade. God, just touch my dad. Let him say he loves me. And then finally, when I was praying, I, heard, I kind of got this strong response from God that kind of in my heart. And it said, James, you say it first. I said, God, is there another answer? <laughs> And so right through my 30s, I kept on praying, God, just touch my... And God kept on saying, but you say it first. I said, but God, he's the father, I'm the son, he should do it. No, 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 you're the Christian, he's not, wake up. And so I just, 
I got to my early 40s, folks. This is like, tw- this is like nearly, this is quite a while, 50 odd years, 20 years. And I still hadn't followed through with what God had said to me. I didn't proceed. I'd prayed and I'd paused, and, but I hadn't proceeded. God told me, go and say to him that you love him. And so finally around 45, <laughs> I, I wrote a card to him. It was his birthday. And I told him how much I appreciated him in the end. I just didn't write uh, love James because that's a cop out in my thoughts. There's nothing wrong with it if you think it's good. But I had to write, I love you, Dad. So I wrote that, I love you, Dad. It was risky. I wasn't quite sure whether he was ever going to respond. I wasn't quite sure whether he was going to break out of that entrapment he had experienced in his life and actually tell me. And it wasn't too many months later that he actually said to me, I love you, James. It was, all, it, it was amazing what that does. It, just, it, it exploded in my heart. And I thought, God, my dad, what I su- was suspicious of for all my life, he has actually declared it now. Actually, at my, my grandmother's funeral, my dad's mum's funeral, I did the funeral, and my dad nervously came up to me, and I'm thinking, oh, what's, what's wrong with dad? And he came up to me and said, James, I just want you to know I'm so proud of you, the way you conducted that and the way you live your life, and I just want you to know that. And I just grew, I, w- I just, you know, I just, my heart just nearly exploded, and I think, thanks, dad, and gave him a hug. And, and you know, he died not many years after that, and I was there when he died, and I was able to, you know, I, before he died, I was actually prayed with him and asked him whether he believed in Jesus, and he said yes, and so, you know, I'll leave that up to God, but it was just a, one of those, our relationship just got better. And it, not that it was ever bad, I always felt he'd done amazing things for me, sacrificed for me, but just needed those words. And So I say all this to say this, that sometimes God tells us what to do, but we just need to proceed with it and be obedient to what he says. Because that's when the breakthrough will come as the team comes this morning. We just need to be obedient to what he says. And I've discovered over life that so often there's been times that pray before the problem starts. Because sometimes we only pray when we're in the problem. But why not get up in the morning or whatever time you find or evening? Why don't you just, why don't you pray uh, so that before the problem, so that you can handle the problem so much better. Why don't you make it a lifestyle of, of, of prayer instead of just living a life that is emergency prayer? Oh, I'll just pray when I'm in a problem. No, you don't ever say that, but that's what we can live. And we live from emergency to emergency, from problem to problem. No, why don't you live, a, instead of going up and down in our lives, why don't we just pray continually? be in, in, in that atmosphere of prayer, continually uplifting our life before Him. So when the problem comes, it doesn't jolt us. We just move on through because we have the peace and the wisdom of God. Prayer is powerful. But then we need to pause because I'm, I'm, a, I'm of a conviction that so, often, so many times we're too hasty when we come, a, we come across difficult situations. Too hasty. We run like a... I nearly used an expression, but... You got to grab this. I had a grandma, my dad's grandma, and she and she lived in the days when she would um, process her own chickens. And uh, so she'd be out the backyard, and she'd had the she pull the uh, the un, the chicken out of the coop, and uh, she'd put the, she'd put it on a block of wood, and she'd take an axe and bang, the head would go, and she'd have the head, and the chicken believe me, would run for another three minutes around the yard until all the blood had passed out of its body. It was not a good sight for a little four-year-old four child. 
But I think sometimes we can get so hasty that we run through life, oh, I've got a problem, I've got a problem, and all the, all the, all the joy and the peace and, the, and the, the things in life that we should have just flow out of us because we're so consumed with this. If only we would just pause and tap into the God who says, in your weakness, I can be your strength. We lose, not blood, but we lose that peace and, because we're just so consumed with the problem. And if we then pray and we pause and then we need to proceed, we need to, because the answer, when we've got the answer, don't put it on the shelf and say, oh, another day. No, 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 proceed. Because it mightn't be easy, it mightn't be comfortable, but it's the best thing to do because it'll bring the breakthrough. Because we're not familiar with moving into those areas. We're not familiar with moving into some of those things that are a little bit foreign to us because I've never allowed my heart to emotionally go there. Or I've never, I've never allowed myself to go there, but, you know, to proceed and move into those, it, to go on, go on those, move into that. Because I've discovered an indecision is often a logjam to our lives. It just jams our life up and we never proceed. We never go forward until we pr- make the decision to be obedient to what we know we should do. Can we stand today? And we're going to close. I want to be, um, I sincerely want to just pray for you and uh, where you stand today. And, you know, the Holy Spirit just can minister. I'm believing as we would pray that the Holy Spirit can just minister to your heart. And, and whether today it's that you need to start, there's something that's, you know, just anxious, anxiety, and you just need to give to God and just start to yield it up to Him and pray. Or whether you're at that point, you've prayed and you're about to, and you're really angry about something, you just want to uh, say something or do something that you know you're going to regret. Maybe you need to pause. Or maybe you're at that point where you've got the answer. You just need, you just re- need real courage to proceed. I, I want to pray today for you. Maybe that you're on the cusp of a wonderful thing that's going to unfold but you just need to proceed forward. If you're there today, and just I just would love to pray. I'm very aware that I'd love to lay hands but I just on you, but I just believe it's not my hands. You need the presence of God's hand upon you, and He can do that right now. Presence of God is here. He wants to minister to your heart and life. So if you're in that situation where you just identify one of those things today, could you just raise your hands as we close our eyes? I just want to pray. Come on, let's be honest with God. You're in that one of those circumstances. And it's not my prayer or this church that makes any difference. It could be in other churches and other people could pray, but I believe the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to minister right now. And he's going to, as you proceed or as you pause or as you pray, the breakthrough is going to start to unfold. So Father, I thank you for every precious life. I see hands here and every, everywhere all over the place. Holy Spirit, I ask your touch upon their lives. You breathe into their hearts, Lord. And Father, if they're struggling with something and they need to pray, help them to just declare it, give it to you. Help them to be determined. Father, if it's a moment they're about to say or do something that could be quite detrimental, help them to pause and just breathe and just think, what is the right answer here? And if it's something they need to proceed with, Lord, they need to now got the answer. They need to help them to step into that. And, and Lord, as hard as it may be, give them courage, give them strength to do that. Because as they step into it, it'll be like the breakthrough. I see like Peter, someone today is like Peter on the edge of the boat. And Jesus says, come. And Peter steps out of the boat, walks on water. 
And you know what? You're at that moment. It's a, it's a, a, a walk by faith moment. If you proceed, you'll find that you, he'll be there. It'll be like the water is solid. You thought it was going to all fall around you. You thought if I proceed, everything's going to crash. No, it, it's going to be there. It's just that you've got to step out. And faith is that stepping out. Whoever that may be today. So, Father, I thank you for every person, every life. I ask, Holy Spirit, you do what no man can do, and that's minister to these people in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And I thank you that you are good, and you are for us, not against us. And I thank you, God, that you never leave us nor forsake us. It's just that we leave you sometimes. Help us not to do that any longer. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's just worship for a moment. Come on.